0: And really, a lot of what's happening with toddler regressions is toddlers are like finding their place in the world. And they're realizing kind of that they have a little bit of power. And sometimes we try to like flex that power a little bit. Toddlers are able to just stay awake for a lot longer. And so that can also mean that maybe we start like protesting bedtime because we're like, I'm right. Like, I don't mean to fall asleep. Because a lot of times I try to look at what's going on beneath the sleep. And so we see these things kind of manifesting, you know, a lot of times, like in your bedtime routine, they really start protesting. But really at the heart of a lot of toddler sleep regressions, it's just the fact that we're separating from our child for a really long time. They don't really know what's going on. Like what do you do outside of this room when I go to sleep? Like there's a little <laughs> <laughs> drinking <laughs> wine and watching right.
1: my Bravo TV, honey. Right? You're listening to Breaking Ice Podcast, a podcast I created for wives and girlfriends of pro hockey players. My name's Devin Dodero. I'm the wife of Charlie Dodero. We have two dogs, a little boy Crosby, and a baby girl on the way. We spent eight months of the year living the hockey life in Europe but we've also spent about five seasons in North America. I've been around the block, sometimes just for a cup of coffee, but I wanted to share the tools, resources, and what's helped me along the way, while also learning every week from each and every one of you. In this podcast, we share tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things women, all things hockey, friendships, trades, long distance, moves, and life in general, so you don't feel so alone. So put your headphones in, Go for a walk and feel like you're sitting down with your best girlfriends. Oh, and make sure to follow the page on Instagram, Breaking the Ice Pod. Let's lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, 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 you guys. Welcome back to the podcast, Breaking the Ice. I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast a few years ago now, which is crazy to say, just feels like it's something I can't even remember what life was like before. I started this whole thing, but I created it because I felt like I really needed a community of people that understood my lifestyle. When I first started dating my husband, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. And I just felt like there was such a need and kind of lack of support for other women in this lifestyle. So I thought, let me bridge this gap. And that by no means means that I'm a professional hockey wife, if there is such a thing. Um, You know, but I also needed this podcast. I also need to connect with women, honestly, a lot about just some of the struggles that we go through. So wherever you're at in the world, I'm happy you're here. Whoever you are, even if you are not you know dating or married to a professional hockey player, athlete, maybe you're a family member of one and you just enjoy the podcast and the guest and all of the above. So, I'm happy you're here. I currently have my baby strapped to me in a carrier. So, if you hear some little some little cooing, that's that's why. Which actually goes perfect for this episode because this episode is all about baby sleep, toddler sleep, just kids sleep in general, which is a topic that I honestly have become so fascinated with since having children. I really, there's certain things about being a mom that I really just want to understand about my kids. And it wasn't until, I guess, to backtrack, I remember when my son was like, from two to like three and a half months, he was sleeping great. Then we flew back home from the hockey season. We hit that four-month sleep regression and from about four months to eight months. I just felt like it was quite honestly survival mode with his sleep. I was I'm someone that's always really like loved sleep. I value my sleep. I really always liked sleeping in, you know. I just love sleep. I love taking naps. Now that's very not common, but I was struggling for sure because I think that we can all speak and say that when we are not getting the sleep that we need biologically, we are more irritable and have a shorter patience and that's me for sure. So I knew I got to a point where I was like I need to get help with this because I actually cannot mentally like take this anymore. Like I just I cannot be expected to function at full capacity if I'm on such limited sleep. So We hired a sleep coach, things changed. He sleeps great now. We have definitely hit, you know, some sleep regressions through this time, but overall he's become such a great independent sleeper, which is amazing, (laughs) which I think is funny because I feel like once that happened, once your baby starts sleeping better and like things are normal, you're like, oh, time for number two. Let's just mess this all up again. This whole, you know, sleep, sleep thing enter baby number two. The second time around, you definitely are more prepared for the lack of sleep that you're going to get. Whereas I feel like for the first baby, it's just like you are legitimately hanging by a thread because you've never been more sleep deprived in your entire life. In that regard, I was definitely more prepared the second time around. I will say that she's kind of just like waking up to eat once a night, which is pretty amazing. But I also, being a second-time mom, am anticipating that four-month sleep regression coming in a couple of months. I think a lot of people think that sleep coaches are, you know, going to make you make your baby cry themselves to sleep and all of that stuff. And that's just simply not true. I think when you become a mom. There's so much that you don't know that people study. And so it's okay to ask for help. It is okay to receive help. I am actually someone who really appreciates advice when I'm seeking it. Like obviously none of us like unsolicited advice from people that we're not asking. But like if I'm seeking advice, like I want to know, I want to learn because I don't know everything. And that's how we learn stuff is from our peers, our friends, um, you know, our family, people that have gone through having children. So I feel like I have a really good foundation for sleep now that I feel really com- confident, like implementing these healthy sleep habits with my second. So today on the podcast, I have Danielle Nyquist. She is the owner of. Sav got sleep, which means sleep tight in Swedish, and I'm really not great at pronouncing things in other languages, so hopefully I, I pronounced that right, but her husband plays for Columbus and the NHL, and she, and she really became interested because of the same exact thing when her daughter went through the four-month sleep regression, and she was like, wait a second, she was sleeping fine, what the heck is going on now? So she created an entire business helping other moms and really giving them that support that they need throughout their, their child's sleep journey. In this episode, we talk about so much going from how to implement and when to implement sleep healthy sleep habits to what regressions are and some tools that you can take with you as you're going through these sleep regressions. We talk about toddler sleep, toddler sleep regressions, transferring your toddler into a toddler bed from a crib. A terrifying thought to myself, who has a very energetic little boy. I also asked her about the witching hour, which is something I posted on my personal Instagram a few weeks ago, and so many moms responded, I'm right there with you, help me with what you hear. So this episode has so many good tools, tips, advice for moms who have little kids, whether your little kid is sleeping great and you might have another sleep regression coming up, you will want to listen to this episode for sure. I think it's just a very solid foundation and she also works one-on-one with parents. You can head to her website, I will link everything in the show notes, but enjoy this episode, really just soak it all in because it's very informative. So. no, I'm I feel like that's such a good segue. Like we should just dive in and yeah, yeah, I'm honestly so excited that you're here because sleep is so important. and I'm obsessed with sleep for myself, but I feel like I really took an interest in it once I started struggling it with it with my first child. And that's when I really wanted to fully understand like what was going on and why certain things were happening. So, and I know a lot of other moms, want to learn more about it too. So I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think that that's exactly how I got into all of this. It was really our first daughter that like, just completely knocked over upside down. <laughs> and she was actually a really good sleeper in the newborn phase. And so I think that I was like, really naive. I was kind of like, we did it. Like, we've got it. We're good. And then four months hit and everything changed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what's, what's going on?
1: Exactly. And it's always hilarious too. like, even as a second time mom, when my friends have kids and they're like, they're such a good sleeper, like they're sleeping amazing. And their baby's like a week old. I'm like, you don't say anything, but you're like, you'll see. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Things change. Things change a lot.
1: Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about, about like who you are and what really kind of pushed you to make this career switch for yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, like I said, it was really my daughter that inspired all of this for me. So around that four months, she hit the stage where sleep just became like impossible. And so that's when I started like doing all the Google searches. I started buying, you know, the programs that everybody knows about that you can purchase online and following all of those things. And nothing was working. And I just like, I was at a loss. I even remember I reached out to our pediatrician at the time, a former pediatrician, I should say. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like she used to sleep great. Like she'll be up for two hours in the middle of the night, just like screaming. And he was like, yeah, like, yeah, some babies just do that. Like, just, just let her be, just leave her. And I was like, wait, why? Like, we know that sleep is a biological necessity. It's so important for like our baby's growth and development. So how can this be? Like, why is it such a mystery? And in all of that, no one ever asked like, what's your child's temperament like? What's your child's personality? What's your attachment style? What's your parenting style? What's your family situation? We're in a unique situation with our families living in this hockey life. And so that's what really kind of prompted me to just take a different approach to sleep. And I started becoming obsessed with all things sleep and really wanted to be able to provide families with like an education backed approach that focuses on like creating a sense of safety and security for your child, but that also provides the parent with a ton of support. Because sleep isn't linear. And like you said, like you'll talk to your friends and you hear about kind of like these unicorn sleepers and they sleep seven to seven and they take great naps. And like, there's just so much misinformation about infant sleep that leads parents to believe that they're doing something wrong. And you're not, like, it's just that sleep is really hard and it's constantly changing and you're constantly like, troubleshooting to try to find out what will work best for your child, your specific child.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, it, like you said, it's definitely not like a one size fits all and every kid is different. And yeah, I think you have like expectations of what it's going to be like. And at the same time, like when you have a kid, each Days is so different. Each month is so different, especially in that first year. So like one month you might be like, oh, I got this. Like they're sleeping great. And then the next month is like total shit. And you're like, what am I doing? And then when you're sleep deprived, it's not a good situation. Like it's just shorter patience, you know, irritability. And that's what really inspired me to seek help with my kids sleep because I was like, I am not being the mom I want to be because I'm up seven to eight times a night when my kid is eight months old. And I feel like that's not, quote, normal. And I don't want to use that word, but it's just to me, it didn't feel normal. I was like, this should not be happening. So I wish that I kind of had like those tools and steps to implement myself from the very beginning of like going back to before or just like at the beginning stages of when I had a kid, because I really had no idea yeah, we'll start with talking about like healthy sleep habits. So like what are some healthy sleep habits and when can we really start to implement those?
0: So I love what you just said. So healthy sleep habits can start literally from birth. And now when I think about newborn sleep, I think a lot of times like we're, we're prepared as parents for the lack of sleep that's going to come to an extent, like you know that like sleep is going to be really tricky for a little while. But I think the actual reality of newborn sleep is just, you know, it's completely different once your baby is actually here. So newborns, when I talk about newborns, I mean, like birth to about four months. Newborns sleep a lot, like newborns can sleep up to 18 hours in a 24 hour period. And like, that sounds great, right? You're like, the baby's asleep more than they're awake like okay that's that's fine we've got it but the thing about newborn sleep is that it's super broken sleep right so it's broken up by tons of diaper changes tons of feeds hopefully some awake time and all of that you know we're doing some tummy time and reading books and all of those things so that reality just knowing that like the sleep is super broken there's really no consistency you're completely following the lead of your baby That's important to know. I think another thing, this is kind of like a knowledge power kind of thing. Like the more you know, kind of the better you feel about sleep at this stage. Um, Infant sleep is very interesting in that newborns have two forms of sleep. So you have active sleep and quiet sleep. And quiet sleep is like exactly how it sounds. It's like calm, peaceful. You look at your baby, you're like, yes, they're sleeping. And then active sleep is like that grunty, noisy, like sometimes babies actually crying. They're moving a ton, like breaking out of their swaddle. And that's when parents are like, oh my gosh, they're gassy or something's wrong or what's going on. And what a lot of parents don't know is that actually baby's sleeping during that time. That's this active sleep. And What happens is with the best of intentions, parents go try to offer some kind of intervention or like, you know, comfort baby back to sleep. And you're really waking your baby up. So I always, I'm not saying like, don't respond to your child. I would never say that. But I am saying like, really assess the situation and make sure your baby is actually awake before you go try to, you know, replace replace a pacifier or shush them or give them a little rock back to sleep. Um, so I think those things are kind of just like important to, to kind of understand about newborn sleep, especially, but in terms of setting up healthy sleeping habits, like start that from birth. And so what I think of when I think of healthy sleeping habits, I think of the environment that the baby's in for sleep. I think about like the schedule that you have and not like a structured, like they have to be going to sleep at this time or whatever, but I'm talking more about like wake windows. And then I also think about just like your routines around sleep and your approach to sleep. So for the environment, we know that babies sleep best in a quiet, dark, 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 and um, a quiet, dark, and cool environment. Sorry. That's the word I'm looking for. So
1: like we the want heated apartment complex that I'm in right now.
0: It's just perfect. Yes. I mean, so we're looking for more like 68 to 72 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So we might be dropping a little bit below that.
1: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Had to add oh my that. gosh. No. You poor thing. I don't know. Cold and quiet. Quiet. Okay.
0: Yes. Yeah. Ideally baby can be in their own sleep space. At some point, we can kind of talk about when that would be the best time to um, transition baby to their own sleep space. But you want to make sure they're in a safe sleep environment so a bassinet or a crib with nothing in it. Um, We're always using a sound machine. Sound machine, sound machine. So sound machines actually can help a baby fall asleep three times faster than babies that don't use a sound machine. Um, so you want that like six feet away from their sleep space, like their crib or bassinet and at like 40 to 50 decibels. So environment is huge for sleep. That's like the first thing I think about. The next thing that I think about are wake windows, kind of like your schedule and just knowing that babies have like an optimal window that they should be awake before sleep. And that sets baby up for going to sleep, not undertired an undertired baby like will probably fall asleep just fine for a nap or for bedtime but they likely won't stay asleep very long because their sleep drive like their sleep pressure just wasn't high enough that also prevents you from putting your baby down overtired and overtired's just not a fun one to deal with Um, they really will protest going to sleep, they have a really hard time settling down, they'll usually wake frequently, wake early in the morning, that's not good at all. So kind of paying attention to those wake times. And in the newborn stage, in addition to those wake times, you're also looking at your baby's sleepy cues. So those are like the yawning and rubbing eyes and red eyebrows kind of that glazed over look where like they're not really paying attention to you that's another really important thing when it comes to sleep um and then i think just thinking about the way that you approach sleep like do you have a really solid bedtime routine again like from birth i know that sounds silly but like it's just you know you're like my newborn's gonna have a bedtime routine but like
1: kind of yeah there's so much I want to like unpack within it but like I feel like you're making so many good points with the wake windows those creep up so fast by the time you like feed them change them boom baby has to go down again and I feel like it's so easy to lose track of time so like I always try to look at the clock like okay like you know baby just got up it's 5 30 gonna start looking for sleepy cues in the next like 30 to 35 minutes if she's okay you know push it maybe 10 minutes and then try again because I feel like when I don't look at the time all of a sudden I'm like oh my god she's been up for like almost two hours because I'm just like busy or doing xyz so wake windows I feel like helps so much if you're just aware that that's a thing
0: Mm -hmm. for sure And I like how you said that too, like you'll kind of keep an eye and you're like, oh, it's been 35 minutes. Like that's a great time to start winding down, right? And if you have a newborn, like that's a great time to swaddle them up and maybe move them to wherever their sleep space is to just kind of like wind things down and show like sleep is coming. And that's a good way to also start introducing like independent sleep, right? Maybe you're gonna lay baby down and see, right at the end of their wake window, like maybe you can just put yourself to sleep here on your own, which is great. Um, but yeah, wake windows are huge and they change all all the time.
1: Yeah. So with that, it's, I'm trying to refresh my memory as well, because it's like going back a step. Is there any, you know, websites or apps that you would use to kind of keep yourself updated with with each change that happens each month, like, okay, now we're in month four, now we're in month five. How do we know how long baby should be staying awake for?
0: Yeah. So, um, you can just go to my website. <laughs>
1: um, so, <laughs>
0: well, it, um, just a little plug there, but so I have a really helpful, um, chart that, that like lays out all of your, not only the wake windows, but also what some people don't know is like your baby also has an optimal amount of daytime sleep that they should get, like their naps. And that changes frequently too. They have an optimal amount of like total sleep that they should have within a 24-hour period. Um, And all of those kind of scheduling components go into having good sleep. Um, Generally, wake windows are changing about monthly um, and especially for those first like 12 months. But I should also say like just because your child turned 4 months old doesn't mean that they need to be on a 2 hour wake window. If your wake windows are working for you, you keep them until you start to notice some sleep disruptions and then maybe you can refer back to your chart and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's because they're 4 months and I'm only keeping her up an hour and a half and she might be ready for more like 2 hours."
1: Totally. Um,
0: so it's totally like a guiding guiding force.
1: So you mentioned that When your daughter hit the four-month sleep regression, that's kind of what made you start to really like get interested in this topic. So will you just will you talk a little bit about like what a sleep regression is? Yes.
0: So I actually love to talk about sleep regressions. Sleep
1: regressions are actually
0: really good and they're signs of really healthy growth and development in our babies. So there are a lot of them in really like the first two years of life. So the first one happens at four months old. I think the four month regression especially is a good one to focus on because that's a lot of times that that's the point where parents are like, what's going on? Like maybe (laughs) we had an okay sleeper and now like they're literally waking up every single day. And so what happens there is baby's gone from this newborn sleep, like we talked about, that active and quiet sleep, two forms of sleep. And there's a huge maturation of sleep cycles at this point. So babies go into having four different sleep cycles. It's a much more adult-like way of sleeping. So with that change into the four sleep cycles, there are more points in which baby can kind of become aroused between those cycles. So babies have a hard time connecting their sleep cycles. A sleep cycle is anywhere from 30 minutes to 120 minutes just depending on your child. Um, and so this is why parents are seeing suddenly at four months like my baby's waking up every hour. They're waking up after every single sleep cycle now. Um, and that's just really hard. So this, is, this has to do a lot with just some crazy development that's happening around sleep this is a great time to start introducing some independent sleep skills just because baby is generally pretty ready for this night feeds are generally, you know, maybe there's one or two, that's totally fine. You should always feed your baby through the night as they need. Um, but that's kind of a fun one because like so much is going on within their little brains. And once they learn how to connect those sleep cycles, are going to start giving you really nice long stretches of sleep.
1: Is there anything that we can do as parents to stretch the sleep a little bit longer or get them back to sleep? I mean, that's going to come up for me again, but I just going back to like in my head, I just I feel for everyone that's might be in that stage right now because it's really really hard when you're you also as a parent are not getting those really Long stretches of sleep, and it can be really frustrating too, because you feel like you're kind of doing everything to, to that you can do, you know. But sometimes it feels like nothing's working, and then they just you t- you. I don't know if you felt this way, but like taking so long to get them down, and then like thirty minutes later, it's like bing, I'm awake mm-hmm. again. <laughs> Those reels where the baby's like coming back, it's like five o'clock, six o'clock, <laughs> <seven> o'clock. <laughs> literally. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And that's exactly what's happening at this time. And it is, it can be so frustrating. And I think for a lot of parents too, like it can, I know I speak for myself when I say this, but sleep at first with our first daughter, it brought up just so much anxiety for me. Cause it was just like, when's it going to happen? She's going to start crying. Oh my gosh. And so there's so many things that we can do to help make this a little bit better. So one of the biggest things that we can do is to try to let baby fall asleep independently. And so that means we're getting baby drowsy, not too tired, and then laying them in their sleep space awake. This is going to help them fall asleep independently, which also means that when they have those brief awakenings between their sleep cycles, they're more likely to be able to put themselves back to sleep independently. Now, at four months, right, this is we're just kind of exiting that newborn stage and newborns need all the support to sleep. So that's a really big jump to be like, here, I've been like rocking and holding and wearing my baby to sleep. And now you're saying just lay my baby down and like they'll fall asleep. Hilarious. <laughs> so we can still right like, okay, easy enough. It's not going <laughs> to happen like that. Probably it might you should try. Um, but there are lots of things that we can do offering some crib side comfort and gradually kind of weaning down that comfort a little bit Mm -hmm. as baby becomes more able to settle on their own. Um, so I love like a little booty pat or something. If your child's sleeping on their, on their stomach at this time, you should always put your baby back to sleep (laughs) to put that in there. Um, but like a little rub on their face or something like that while they're falling asleep and you're not going to be doing this forever but you're meeting your baby where they are right now and that's so important to help them learn how to fall asleep in their space alone um keeping track of their wake times that's super important because if you try to put your baby down overtired, undertired, you're going to run right. into some issues um but really starting to to encourage that independent sleep um And thinking about kind of maybe pulling back on some of the sleep associations that you had introduced in the newborn stage. So maybe if you've been rocking to sleep while feeding, maybe we can try just one of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if feeding is the big thing, like that's the big association to falling asleep. Why don't we try moving the feed to the beginning of the bedtime routine? And then try rocking to sleep tonight and then see if we can.
1: See what works for you and what works for your baby. I feel like it's so much trial and error, like, okay, this worked. And then, you know, you keep doing that or this didn't work. And then maybe that's not for you, but yeah, I love everything you're saying. I think, you know, also it's not going to last forever. Like you said, and when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it's going to last forever. It truly does. Like, Mm You know, it's, but it's not, if you're listening and you're having a hard time, like you will come out of it, you will sleep through the night again. I'm probably going to listen to this episode back and when I need this reminder, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. But you also,
0: you know, another thing, especially I think for a lot of people listening, you, you feel like it's so difficult and it's so hard. And for a lot of us, we're doing this alone. Like a lot of times we don't have a partner they're working they're away they're on the road and that can make it feel that much more difficult like you don't have somebody to share the load with and usually I mean in our case it was usually what worked best for our family was me doing you know night wakings and early morning wakings because our, our husbands have to sleep they hardly sleep as it is so yeah. um That's a good that point. can really add to the, yeah. the
1: struggle Definitely. Yeah. That, I mean, I didn't even think to like even address that, but like, obviously we're all living this lifestyle where we are the primary parent and we are, you know, kind of that consistent schedule for our kids. And so a lot of these sleep struggles, like kind of fall on us and how old are your kids now?
0: So we have an almost four-year-old, almost two-year-old.
1: Okay. So you might be hitting some like sleep regressions yourself too, with a two-year-old, right? Oh yes, Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was like, a lot of people submitted about like toddler sleep regressions, like toddler moving to their own rooms. And that's something I really want to get into because it's really interesting and it's not something you can, you really anticipate or think about because the phases happen so quick. And all of a sudden you have a two-year-old that needs to, that's having all these sleep regressions again.
0: So actually our little one just went through, I think a little bit on the later side that's the other thing about regressions like it's not like your baby hits 18 months and you're like oh here's the regression it can happen a little early it can happen a little late and so that's also just hard too um but we just hit the 18 month with our 21 month old and um that was a little bit tricky but (laughs) we worked through it it helps if you have a pretty independent sleeper going into going into a regression but toddler regressions are just their own kind of thing. And really a lot of what's happening with toddler regressions is um toddlers are like finding their place in the world and they're realizing kind of that they have a little bit of power and sometimes we try to like flex that power a little bit. Toddlers are able to just stay awake for a lot longer. And so that can also mean that maybe we start like protesting bedtime, because we're like, I'm all right, like, I don't mean to fall asleep. Um, My approach in sleep oftentimes is a little bit different than some other approaches, maybe. Um, because a lot of times I try to look at what's going on beneath the sleep struggle. And so we see these things kind of manifesting, you know, a lot of times, like in your bedtime routine, they really start protesting. Um. But really at the heart of a lot of toddler sleep regressions, it it can be like separation anxiety, um, but it's just the fact that we're separating from our child. And our kids are with us all the time. We do everything for them. They rely on us to, to stay alive. And then suddenly in times of sleep, we ask them to separate from us for a really long time. They don't really know what's going on. Like, what do you do outside of this room when I go to sleep? Like there's a little drinking like, wine and watching right.
1: my Bravo TV, honey.
0: Right? <laughs> like, listen, this is my time. Um, but that's another good point, too. So when we get ready for bedtime, a lot of the times as parents, we're so ready to just have a break, like whether it's nap time or bedtime. And what our kids are looking for is more closeness and more connection. And that can be really hard. Like you kind of have to bridge the gap there between like, I need my space and my time because it's been a day or, you know, dad's been on a road trip for a week and it's like, ah. um, And then the fact that our kids really need this closeness and connection. So again, I try to think of toddler sleep regressions and struggles as kind of that, that um separation and, and the, the trouble that's going on with your child in that separation so we always want to foster a sense of security and connection with our child we want to have a really solid bedtime routine and around this time is when you see that you really have to start enforcing some pretty strict boundaries and this isn't like mean or punitive at all but Our child needs to know, this is like a Dr. Becky thing, like that we're the sturdy leader. Like what I say is for your safety right now, right? Part of keeping you safe is making sure that you get the sleep that you need. And it's your job to make decisions around your bedtime. I'll have clients come to me and be like, we have to read six books and I have to sing eight songs. And then like, maybe she'll lay down in her bed and I'm kind of like, well, you don't have to sing six songs and, you know, whatever. Um, that's There's there's going to be like a transition that goes along with changing all of that. But that's going to look like you talking to your child about this. You know, it seems like it's really hard for you to fall asleep lately. And we've been singing a lot of songs. And we've been doing a lot of books. And I've kind of decided that that's not working. So here's what we're going to do tonight. And you're going to lay it out. That might sound like. Tonight, when we go to bed, you can choose one book and we'll sing one song and then mom's going to leave the room and then you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, right, that there might be protest with that, like, wait, no, what about my other 16 songs? But when you kind of hold that boundary, it shows your child that you're you're in control of this and you're making the decision that's best for your for your child, Um you can okay all the feelings that come up with that. You don't have to okay all the behaviors that come along. Um, But I think that's one of the the most important things is like setting those boundaries and really um, just sticking with an independent kind of sleep plan and encouraging that over and over with lots of consistency.
1: Yeah, you're speaking to my soul. I'm like, yes, Yes, this is so good. I, you know, I feel like when they're two years old too, they feel so little still that you feel like they almost just don't. I mean, you know, they understand, but you kind of forget. And I have found that just communicating to my toddler helps so much. Like if he's having big feelings or something, like just being like, Are you frustrated? Like you seem really frustrated that you didn't get X, Y, or Z. Like, would you like this or would you like this? And like, he'll be like, He'll rein it in and and really get back to it. So it's like doing that with the bedtime, like maybe giving them, okay, I can see that you're kind of not wanting to get go to bed yet. Do you want to do this or do you want to do this? And then we'll get in bed. And then okay, you know, it's like it's just interesting how like you can totally change the dialogue. And like I I do know a lot of people that like feel like they're stuck in that. Oh, like it just takes so long to get down and that can be really frustrating for people. And I think I hear this, especially when moms are transitioning their kids to a toddler bed in their own room. We have not done that yet. I'm terrified for the day and I'm, I'm really, he's in a sleep sack still. So I, he (laughs) like, doesn't know, he can get out of his crib yet. Thank God. Um, but I plan on doing it this summer because I'd rather do it in our house at home than doing it. Like, in Europe in an apartment like I just want to do it in his kind of like comfort space but I do hear about like mom's getting trapped and having to lay with their kid for like three hours and I'm like dear god if I have to do that I'm gonna lose my mind so what are some of what are some things we can do to prepare for that transition because I think you kind of start to know what's coming around like two-ish two to two, yeah. two to three whenever that kind of happens for your particular kid.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to transitioning to a toddler bed, I actually always recommend never before three. Now the 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 kind of caveat to that is if your child is getting out of their crib. Like if it's a safety thing, of course we can't let them like be falling out of their crib. (laughs) So but that's why I love that you still have the sleep sack on. That's something that I'm always like, try a sleep sack again if your child's like getting out of their crib, because usually that kind of just prevents them from being able yeah. to get their leg up and the you know, <laughs> do like the escape once they figure out. I mean, it's, yeah, you're like, oh no, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have to transition a, younger, a child younger than three into a bed, it's gonna take a lot of persistence and consistency. They're just not, until the age of three, and honestly, some kids even a little bit later, they just don't have the concept of boundaries and especially around like two years old it's it's truly just not safe for your child to have that kind of freedom um so if we're talking about a younger toddler i mean like in that two two and a half anything before three that's had to transition to a toddler bed a big bed the first thing i think of is just safety like we have to keep the sleep environment safe so we're completely baby proofing. There's nothing out that, that baby can get into. We're adding like a baby gate or a handle on the door because like, they don't know that they can't just like go walk around. Um, that's yeah. not to be me. It's not like you're
1: locking a your child no, in your room. No, but It could be like rummaging through like the fridge or like walking out the front door. Like you don't know if you're sleeping, you know what I mean? So Exactly.
0: So those kinds of things are super important. Um, If you're able to wait to closer to that three-year mark, children just have a much better understanding of boundaries. And I think a lot of parents really worry about this transition. And sometimes it's really not as bad as we kind of make it out to be. Um, We're doing a lot of prep ahead of time. So we're going to talk about the fact that we're getting a new bed. We're going to try to set up the new bed in the same place the crib was mm-hmm. just to okay. create that consistency a little bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about the expectations that come along with that. So, you know, at nighttime, you sleep, you're in your bed. You can talk about maybe what your plan of action will be. If your child needs you in the middle of the night, um, we're doing a lot of silly things. Like you said that your son's still in the sleep sack. So we need to like teach our child how to cover themselves up covers can be like a whole thing
1: yeah <laughs> it can be <laughs> like oh my god what is this foreign thing
0: <laughs> yes, it can be like maddening and then you don't want to have to go into the room 16 times at night to like cover your child back up so there's a lot of prep that goes into it then if your child like you you had mentioned some people were saying like I have to lay with my child for two hours to get yes. them to fall asleep we're going to continue. I hope that maybe you've had an independent sleeper in a crib before transitioning to the toddler bed or a big bed. And so you're going to do the same thing. You're going to help them to feel really safe and secure in their sleep space. You're going to do your bedtime routine, and then you're going to leave the room. Now, if that's not working, I have lots of tips and tricks to kind of still be there for your child, but maybe not actually be in bed with them, laying Um I do a lot of times like a chair in the room. And so you're showing your child, I'm still here for you. You again, talk about this. Mom's going to sit here with you while you fall asleep. I know it's been really tricky for you to fall asleep on your own in your big bed. So I'll sit here while you fall asleep. Once you're asleep, I am going to go into my room. I'm actually not going to talk to you at all because it's sleep time. It's nighttime. can't talk. And you're going to see if that might help kind of ease that transition. So there's always ways, right, that we can fade out really like hands-on support in a super gentle way that just feels good for everyone.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're saying it's not as daunting as it sounds.
0: (laughs) It really doesn't have to be. And so let's say that you're like, okay, every situation is different, right? So I feel like maybe somebody's thinking like, okay, yeah, but I put my kid in their bed and they just get out right away. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like consistency, 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 you're going to be super matter of fact, bring them back to their bed, lay them down. We're not having a big conversation. We're not like, you know, making a big deal about it. We're just actually bedtime. You need to lay down. Super matter of fact, leave the room again. Um, um Cause that's not like much of a reaction. That's not really fun. So they're going to be Okay.
1: Yeah. Question on or off the record. Do you think it's like frowned upon? So like my son is a really good sleeper actually now, ever since I implemented sleep training at like eight months, like he sleeps through the night, he's having some regressions now. So that's a tad frustrating, but do you think it's like frowned upon because he goes right down on his own when I do transition him to a toddler bed to like, not lock the door, but like you said, like a baby gate. So he can't get out because I think like he gets more frustrated if I go back in the room, like, cause he's like, oh, like, no, I want to go with you as opposed to me just like watching him on the camera intuitively. If it gets out of control, I do go in and I'm like, okay, we're going to lay down, I'll rub your back, yada, yada. But like, man, I just see that kid like ripping through our house when the time comes and <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's he's an energy ball, so.
0: Yeah, so I think you know him best, right? If you're like, he's going to get right out of bed and he's going to open that door, then let's set him up for success, right? And let's talk about that too. Um, I mean, there's one of two ways that you can handle this. You can either try it without at first and see what happens. He might surprise you. A lot of times it takes like a couple of weeks for toddlers to realize that like they actually can get out of their bed. And then they're like, oh wait, I actually can open my door.
1: So sometimes <laughs> you can wait. What else can I do? <laughs> Literally. And then it's all, you
0: know. Um, and then you could introduce like some kind of um, you know, child proof door handle. Again, this isn't to like lock your child in your room in their room. This is not to be punitive. This is just to create a safe barrier for them. And you can come up with a plan, you know, if if you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like you need mom or dad, you can knock on your bedroom door. That's a great way to kind of know that, have your child know that there's a way to kind of communicate with you out there without actually going out. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that that's a great solution when you, when you do this.
1: I also heard of the hatch. Have you heard of that light that you can, do you love it? Do you use it?
0: You're reading my mind. Cause I was like, I should really talk about the I cannot say enough good things about the Hatch. I recommend it to all of my clients. So that's a huge thing for toddlers. I love using the Hatch as a sound machine, but I also love using it as a ready-to-wake clock. Mm-hmm. I use a ready-to-wake clock in a little bit of a different way than than some other sleep consultants. I like to have it off meaning no light on at night or during a sleep time. You just have your sound on. And then I have it turn green in the morning when it's time to wake up. Like green means go. If you see that your green light's on, that means it's morning. Because time is such an ambiguous concept for children. How is your child supposed to know when he wakes up in the middle of the night that it's not morning time? Right. Um, so it just gives a child a system to understand the concept of time, right? And when you introduce a ready to wake clock, I would also suggest that you really set your child up for success, so maybe you start using one because you've been dealing with early morning wakings, if your child's waking up at like 5.30. So for the first morning that you introduce it, set it for 5.31, like, and, have a huge celebration, right? And then we're going to scaffold on that. Like we don't really want them to wake up at 5:30 <laughs> oh <then>. God, 5.30. 5.30. <laughs> it's too early. But if you're dealing with early morning wakes, right? This is going to totally, get you there. Totally. So then the next morning we're adding five minutes and we're having a yeah. huge celebration. Like, oh my gosh, you waited for your green light. That's so great. It's morning time. Now we can get up and yeah. we'll gradually move that to you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, that's a really smart invention. Yeah, a lot of the questions were just like the toddler, the toddler questions and I feel like you just kind of hit the nail on the head with everything and really answered everything. I think it really gives people a good base to go off of, but I wanted to ask you a question though about like witching hour because that's it's actually like a personal question because that's something I'm struggling with right now and I don't know if you have any feedback as a sleep consultant for that kind of thing, but it's something that's really frustrating. And it's like when I'm looking at the clock, I'm like, okay, my baby has been up for three hours and I cannot get her to sleep when I've tried to stick to a wake window. Do you have any advice for me or anyone else that's dealing with it? Because when I posted to my Instagram page, I got so many messages from people saying I am literally dealing with the exact same thing right now. Please send me any answers that you get.
0: So witching hour is so hard it's really hard this is happening generally in the afternoon to evening it's not usually an hour it is usually many hours of baby just being fussy and a lot of times what it comes down to is that they're just so overtired really so like you said really pay attention to those wake times. <laughs> Another thing that's happening towards the the evening hours especially for those newer babies is they've had a lot of daytime sleep. Sleep drive just isn't quite as high, maybe, which is making it hard for them to fall asleep for that last maybe nap that you wow. need to get to bedtime. Um, one of my favorite things to do is I kind of use Dr. Harvey Karp's five S's, and so that's where you swaddle baby. I want you to go to like a dark room. I don't want the TV on. Like wherever you can get things to be the with the least amount of stimulation as possible. That's what baby needs because they're just so worked up. So swaddle baby, you turn baby, are you familiar with the five S's?
1: Yeah, a little bit, yeah, but refresh me.
0: Yes. So swaddling baby with arms down, hips mobile. Um we are then um turning baby onto their side. We're introducing so, while supporting their head I'm trying yeah. to like show you in the video. Yeah. Um, we're introducing a pretty loud shush. We're also introducing a little bit of a sway. And then the last of the five S's is to introduce a suck. So if you have a pacifier that you use, if you don't, you just leave that step out. But a lot of times, if you kind of follow these steps, that's one of the best ways to calm a really fussy baby or a baby that's overtired and needs sleep, um, I would not be afraid to baby wear during this time. Like anything that you need to do, feed your baby to sleep, whatever your baby needs during the witching hour, do it. Mm -hmm. To try to achieve some (laughs) place. Literally for your sanity. I know. And this can be a lot of times where babies are doing a lot of cluster feeding. Um, Just try to remind yourself that cluster feeds can actually be really good because that's hopefully kind of building their tank to get a, a little bit of a longer stretch of sleep at the beginning of the night. Again, like so many things that we've said, like yes, yeah. two shall pass. It will not yeah. last forever. Try your best to maintain those wake windows and get them to sleep so that they're not overtired. Um That should really help, but yeah. stick with it. You're
1: not alone. Yeah. What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to any mom when it comes to Baby sleep, toddler sleep, just overall sleep for your mental health, just in general?
0: I think my biggest piece of advice is just to be flexible. You know your child best. There is no one size fits all to this. And honestly, reach out for support because you're not alone. You don't have to navigate this alone. You don't need to just be doing a Google search to try to, you know, implement five different things there really are so many great resources out there who can help you kind of really dissect what's going on with your child's sleep and give you some really attainable goals and and um steps to implement to help you get the sleep that you need um it, it shouldn't be a badge of honor that you wear like how sleep deprived you are um, mm-hmm everybody needs sleep. It is so important for all of us. It is so important for our littles. It goes beyond their, you know, physical development, but their emotional development, how much a child's sleep has a lot to do with their ability to regulate their emotions. Like, it's just so all-encompassing. Um, so know that you're not alone. There's a lot of support out there.
1: was literally a perfect answer. You are so well-spoken, seriously. Like, I'm just listening. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> <laughs> really are like, I'm just listening. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, Oh my God, Devin, like get, get it together. Cause my, I'm like, so into like what you're saying that i can't even like have a thought after clearly
0: oh no <laughs> i don't perfect. think i just feel like i've i could talk i'm like oh my god i should have talked about this or this like i could talk about this all day long and i get kind of nerdy so i'm sorry if i just like
1: no 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 no, no. <laughs> this is perfect and like at the same time too it's like i'm i've gone through a lot of this and i'm like okay i don't want to keep like going back to my situations but i think it is also crucial in those first two years like i you know, it's like, I'm back at the baby stage and I've gone through the toddler stage. So it's like, I know both ends of it from most people that are probably going to be listening those first like two years and how tough and draining they can be. But like you said, like get help, like reach out to you. Perfect time to plug your website, your Instagram, and just like the services that you offer, honestly, because I working with the sleep coaches, like, I mean, it's kind of life-changing when you're in the thick of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so, um, I just like, there's also, sorry, I'm going to like go off, but there's also, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about sleep consultants and sleep coaches. Like I'm never going to let your baby just cry it out. Like we are supporting your baby the whole time and we're getting them the independent sleep in the most gentle way that we can. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I love to do free phone consults. A lot of times I can like troubleshoot your sleep issues during those phone consults. You're not even buying anything. You literally get 15, 20, usually it ends up being longer Mm -hmm. minutes of my time to talk about what's going on. I can definitely give you some strategies to try to implement. And then if you're like, "Eh, didn't really work, I need some more support. I offer packages so sleep plans that are completely customized to your family and your child Um, that comes with you know 14 days of support at least or until your child is sleeping soundly in the way that you're hoping that they will be Um, you know we're we're in constant communication every day and then you have my support it's not like you know you're going to go through the four-month regression and I help you through that and then something comes up and you have my support for life, right? Like I want to help you through all of these transitions.